Hi, welcome to our Hot Rod Bible Study. So tonight, we're going to be in 1 John um, chapter 2, verses 18 through 23 tonight. As we've been uh, taking a, a little smaller sections of, I know this is the fourth time through here, we've been in the in, in chapter 2 here for a little while. As, as, uh, as I start to go through the studies, I, I've been drawing more and more out, and, and so I don't want to make the... the I know it's probably, I'm, I'm the same as you guys. I don't want to make the study longer and longer. But every time that I, I take a section of scripture and I, I start to want to ask the Lord or the Holy Spirit to allow me what he wants me to teach on and how much I should take, as he starts to reveal things to me, I'm, I, I first I, I set out with a goal like I'm going to do like 10 verses and complete the chapter. But as he starts to reveal things to me, I start to say, whoa, 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 it's going to be like a three-hour study. It's like, whoa, 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 I have to start backing up. And so we're going to take uh, six verses tonight and we'll go from there. Uh, but I'll go ahead and read um, through tonight, 18 through 23, um, and then we'll go back and we'll see what the Lord has for us. And so here we go, uh, verse 18, it says, Little children, it is the last hour, and, has, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many, many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist, who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So let's stop there and pray. So Father God, we lift up this study to you tonight, Lord, and we ask once again, Father, that your Holy Spirit would come here tonight, Lord, and that would teach us, Lord. Help us to see you um, in your word, Father, that we may see it clearly for today. We ask all of these things, Father, and we ask them in Jesus' name. Amen. So a couple of things as we've been studying through First John. Um, you know, some of the things um, that we've been going through, and, and I don't know if you, some of you are familiar with this, but the... The theme of the book so far, I mean, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I know that many of you probably want to yell out the theme of the book. And, and the theme of the book is fellowship, not only with God, but with each other. Um, and and so there's a reason why I keep uh, reoccurring and I keep bringing this up. And, and I'll share a little bit of it tonight as we get into it. But one of the things that's so powerful that we see that as we started off in chapter 2 of 1 John, there are so far that we're going to start tonight the third test. And we've been, we've been going through these tests and he's been, and I'm going to, I'm going to point them out tonight, but I think many of us have been unaware of the tests that we've been going through. And these tests, we're going to, well, I'll just explain what they are and I'll tell you a little bit about them. Um, the first test that we came to was the moral test. And it was a call to obedient behavior. And this was in 1 John and uh, chapter 2, and it was verses 3 through 6. And it spoke to us about our behavior, that we are to go out and be the light um, for the things of Christ. And so this was the test that they gave us originally. And so the second test is the social test. And it was a call to loving 
and to have a loving attitude towards others. And so we saw, we remember as we got together and we were studying through this section of scripture, and that's in verses, um, chapter two, verses seven through 11. And, and one of the things that I, that I love about that, it was a, a call that each and every one of us to go out and to be ambassadors for Christ, that we would share, that we would reflect Christ in the world. That, and, and, and one of the, in the areas that I really loved about that section, it is that, that he made it very clear, John made it very clear through the love that he had, that it didn't actually have to do with the people that only loved us. Because I think many of us here tonight, we, we can love people who love us. But the most difficult thing is to love others that when they don't love us, that we can love them back. And so I think that that was so powerful that we saw that there in that section. So we we saw that test um, there. But tonight we're going to see they're going to start. It's the, the doctrinal test, they say. And it is a call to the right belief. And it is verses 18, 18 through 27. We're only going to get through 23 tonight. But it is a call to the right belief. And so we're going to we're going to see that tonight. But each test, this is interesting, serves as a measure of assurance of salvation. So as we go through these uh, these tests, we can see that off of our list, and this is what John is trying to do, is he's trying to create in us, he's trying to give us that assurance of salvation. Because I don't know about any of you, but I know many of us, there's things that happen in our lives. And one of the, sometimes when things happen in our lives, sometimes we become ill, or sometimes we need a, a we go to the doctor and he says, hey, you need a surgery, you need this. And, and, and I don't know about you guys, but the first thing that comes to my mind is, I, first thing I say is, uh-huh. This this is exactly what's happened to me for what I did in 1985. Yep, this is exactly because of all those things that I did, and this is the reason why. But we need to be reminded that God, as He, as I share with you all the time, that God forgives us and He remembers our sins no more. Right? He remembers them no more, and so we are renewed. And oftentimes, that I need to be reminded, and this is the reason why I'm sharing it with you. When those thoughts come to your mind, those thoughts come from the enemy. And remember that the enemy, his main goal is to distract us from the things of God and to draw us away from God. And so we need to constant, constantly be seeking the things of God. And so before we get started in the study tonight, I wanted to share a story with you. And so the year is 1987. Uh, the NCAA, um, they're having their actual, their uh, finals or regional finals. And LSU is ahead by eight points um, and they're playing Indiana. And so they're ahead by eight points. And, and this often happens. Um, it's typical that this would happen in a, in a sporting event where the team is ahead by a, a pretty big margin where they think that they don't need to worry about what's going on with the score. And so as they're playing the game, um, right away they start noticing that LSU is not playing the game that they were playing when they started playing the game. And so one of the TV announcers even makes mention of it on television. He's saying, hey, LSU is being uh, being more distracted by the clock. They're focused on the clock and trying to run down the clock than they are than playing the game that they originally started off playing. This lack of focus um, actually allowed Indiana to actually, um, to actually uh, close the gap and actually win the game by one point. That year, they would go on to win the whole thing. They would go on to win the, the NCCA championships that year. They would go on to win it. But one of the things that, I, that I'm bringing this up tonight is that one of the things, while Jesus has called each and every one of us that we would know the sign of the times as, as his return draws nearer and nearer, that we would look for the sign of the times. One of the things that he does not want us to be uh, distracted by looking at the clock. He has called all of us. He has given us, commissioned us 
to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. And he has commissioned, he has given us, each and every one of us in our hearts, things to do for the Lord. And so when the Lord returns, that we would be people that would he would find us doing the things for Christ. And this is the reason why I'm bringing this up, because um, we can see through this story that on, if we look at the clock, there is only a few minutes left on the clock. But we need to understand that men, as, as us as gentlemen here, men of God, this is not the time for us to lose our focus. This is our time to be focused on the things of God. And this is what they're going to talk about tonight in the study. And so um, here we are in verse 18. It says, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which you, you know that it is the last hour. So as he refers to them as little children, I know we, this has been a reoccurring theme, this little children, but here he is talking to believers. I'll just say that he's talking to believers tonight. He's, 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 he's addressing believers, followers of Christ, and he is telling them that it is the last hour. And you can imagine that here we are in John's time, right? This is 2,000 years ago that, that John is writing this letter and it is the last hour, right? And so many times people uh, oftentimes say that, you know, I've been hearing Christians say this, and we, we, we share this oftentimes here at the study. But one of the things, I don't know about you guys, but how many people in the room are happy that Christ didn't come back 10 years ago? And how many of you are happy that he didn't come back 20 years ago? Because many of us, we wouldn't have been, we would have the Christ. And this is the thing about the Lord, that he is long-suffering. And he is waiting. There's many of us that he is waiting for us to turn our hearts to Christ. And so this is the reason, the, what, this is what actually is holding Christ back. There isn't anything keeping him from coming. He could return any minute. He could return. He is God, right? He can return at any minute. But one of the things, as we speak about the last hour here, it is talking about the last days. And, and we know that the study of end times prophecy is the study of eschatology. And so this is a study of end times prophecy. And as we consider prophecy, oftentimes people get a little weirded out as prophecy. And the reason why I'm bringing this up tonight, I'm trying to lead us into the book of Revelation as we as we move forward. But one of the things I wanted to share with you tonight, and this isn't even part of the study tonight, but as I've been trying to study a little bit for Revelation, I'll give you a little tidbit uh, of something that really spoke to me as I was looking in the book of Revelation. Uh, one of the things that they say that the book of Revelation is one of the books that oftentimes that they discourage, oftentimes pastors are discouraged and Bible teachers are discouraged from teaching the book of Revelation. And as they, as people, the Bible expositors have been looking at that, one of the reasons um, that one Bible uh, expositor talked about, and I think it has a lot to do with it, he said this is the only book that we can read that you can see. If you read the book of Revelations and study the book of Revelation, you will see that Satan is defeated. And this is the reason why he is trying to keep um, Bible teachers, preachers, pastors from preaching a revelation. And so I just thought it was something interesting. But as we consider end time prophecy, one of the things is we knew that there was hundreds of prophecies that spoke about Jesus's first coming. We know that there was hundreds of prophecies. One of them is Isaiah 714, that he would be born of a virgin and that his name would be Emmanuel, God with us, right? We know Emmanuel means God with us. And this was 700 years before Christ would come. It would prophesize that he would come. And then we see Micah 5 2, right? That he would be born in Bethlehem. 
This was prophesied before he would come. Zechariah 9.9, that he would come into Jerusalem on a full of a donkey. He would come riding in on a donkey. And remember in Palm Sunday, right, they would be singing, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, right? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're speaking about Jesus Christ. And it's interesting because that Palm Sunday that they were laying down those palm leaves, the very next week would be the week that they were crucifying him, that the same people would be yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And so we see that these things were prophesied um, long before they, they ever happened. And so these things were fulfilled in Christ. But a couple of things as we look to the Lord's second coming, uh, one of the things, a couple of things the Bible speaks about, um, and these aren't all the things, but some, some of the things that I brought up tonight, that some of the things that we hear about that before Jesus comes, it says that the gospel would be preached in all the world. And I don't know about you guys, but I, I do believe that the technology that we have in all the areas and all the missionaries that we have sent out, um, I do believe that we have reached the world with the gospel. I, I don't believe today that there is, and if it is, it's very, very small numbers that have not been reached for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I do believe that this is either fulfilled or close to being fulfilled. The second thing is that they say the Bible says that Israel would have to be back in the land. And we know in May 14th, 1948, that Israel once again became a nation. And we see that it is back. And we see that the, the clock started ticking at this point. But one of the things that it really speaks about before Jesus' return, it is the great apostasy. And when we were studying through First um, Timothy and Second Timothy, we went through the great apostasy. And this would be the falling away of people that are falling away from God. And I don't believe that we are there yet. But one of the things that many of you are no different than me is that when you turn on the television, you can see we are living at a time that they are trying to remove God from just about everything. They are trying to remove God. We see our universities. We see our public school systems. We see the workplace. We see people that are trying to remove God from just about everything. They're trying to remove God and they're trying to, to get him. But, but the Bible says very clearly that no one knows the day nor the hour when Jesus will return, not even the angels in heaven. Only the Lord, right? But that comes from Matthew 24, 36. But I love this. And this is, if you have an opportunity to read this, because the study would be too long if I wrote down all these verses. And this comes from 1 Thessalonians 5. And if you have a chance to read verses 1 through 9, I only wrote down verse 4. And it says, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You see that God has called us because we are not children of the darkness. We are children of the light. And because we are children of the light, we should be able to discern these times. I'm not saying that we are to know the exact time when Christ was returned, because the Bible says we don't know, but we should be able to look out and see the signs of the times, the things that are coming to happen. We should be aware of those things, and we should be seeking an anticipation of the things that God will allow to come at the end of times. But we, what he has called each and every one of us, instead of us being having our eye on the clock, we need to be ready. We need to have our, we should be Christians, believers, followers of Christ. We should have our, back, our bags packed and we're not going to take anything into heaven with us, but we should be ready. We should have our ticket in hand and know that Christ could come at any minute. We should be ready to go. So here, in, uh, as we go through the, the, the first, or in verse 18, it says, um, the Antichrist, and, and I know this draws many people's attention. And you notice here that this Antichrist is capital A and it is a singular form. 
Um, we see the next Antichrist that he's referring to is a plural and it is a small a. But one of the things I, I want to speak a little bit about the first one, the Antichrist, um, where, where many of us are, are familiar about this word. Um, and this is a person to come. And many of us, they have been anticipating this person coming for a long time now. Um, but I'll, I'll just share this with you. But these Antichrists with a small a and the plural, this is the false doctrine, and, and we'll get into that a little bit further. Um, but I wanted to share with you about, as we speak about the Antichrist, a um, little bit about what anti means, right? We, we all know anti, right? The, the word anti, we see anti-abortionists. We know that they're against the abortion. And if we consider the Antichrist, um, we think about that this is against people, things that are against God. And this is really spoke to me because there was a time when I heard of the Antichrist. I said, oh, this is going to be a world leader, somebody that, that says everything against God. This is going to be somebody that's going to come and it's going to be a demonic person. This is going to be somebody that's going to, I'm going to be able to see who he is because he's going to be such a, a bad person. But one of the things that I thought was interesting, in the original Greek, in the original Greek, the, the actually has two meanings for the word anti. And the second meaning is in place of. And so this is really interests me because I think many of us, we think that the Antichrist is going to come and he's going to be this evil person. But the Bible says, talks to him about that he would be in place of Christ, not, not an Antichrist. And, and he's going to come. And what's interesting is he's going to fool the world because he's going to be a guy that's going to have a lot of charisma. He's going to probably be somebody that's very, very well spoken. And he's going to be somebody that I believe that is going to come out of the church. And he's going to become out of religion and he's going to come out and he's going to draw people. Remember, the Bible says that he is going to create in the Middle East, he's going to create peace. And this peace that he's going to bring is going to really, really, really shock the world because we know that this area has been without peace and he is going to bring peace to that region. And But but many of us, the Bible says that many of us might not be here at this time because this will be the rapture will happen before this. But I, I wanted to draw from this Antichrist that this anticipation of him coming one of the things that John exclusively is the only one who uses the word Antichrist. He uses it five times here, and it is in 1 John 2.18, 2.22, 4.3, and 2 John 1.7. We're, we're going to see it a little bit more here as we go through. We're going to get into chat, in verse 22, the Antichrist. But what I wanted to share with you tonight is many times people in the world, they've been looking for this Antichrist. Um, there was a time, um, there was our, our, who was our Secretary of State, right? Uh, Henry Kissinger was doing some things in the Vietnam War era, and they said, hey, people were asking, is this the Antichrist? Is this the Antichrist because of all the things that he's doing? Um, there was a time also that uh, Gorbachev, when he was the president, or he was the one that was running Russia, and he was doing things, that there was people that were saying that maybe possibly it's him, because if you remove those little red dots that he has on his head, I know there's going to be 666 underneath the, his forehead. And so people were always looking, and today it's interesting that there's still people looking for the Antichrist. They're looking to see who he is. Um, and one of the things that I, that I thought was interesting that many people have even asked, is it Putin? That now that we're here and this is going on with the Ukraine and all that's going on, people are asking, is it possibly Putin? And there's actually been uh, people that have actually asked, it is, is it actually our administration that's in uh, today? That it is, is this the Antichrist? But one of the things that I wanted to share you, one of the qualifications for being the Antichrist, that you needed to be a political genius and that you needed to be a religious genius. And you needed to bring peace to the world. And so you can know that just clearly by 
the qualifications in our administration that this is not him. You can rule him out. He is not the Antichrist. And so it is not him. So we know exactly that it is not him. So this is a good thing. But a couple of things, the Antichrist, he is called in Revelation 11.7. He is called the beast of the abyss. Um, he is called in Revelation 13. He is called the beast of the sea. In 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 through 12, he is called the man of sin, the son of perdition, and the man of lawlessness. Many of us are here familiar tonight that he's also, the Antichrist is also associated with a number. Uh, we all know what the number is, right? 666, right? This is the number. We all know that this is the Antichrist and we associate that number with him. But one of the things that, that I th thought was interesting is that in scripture, there is only one man that is actually, that is this number 666 has come about. And it is, interestingly enough, it, and this comes from, um, this, the man, the man, it comes from Solomon is, is the one that it actually comes from. And I know you guys are going to be shocked, but this comes from 1 Kings 10, 14. But he received 666 pieces or, or, or talents of gold in payment. And so this number 666 comes up in his name, him and Solomon, King Solomon, which is the son of David, it comes up. But one of the things that I think that we can draw from that, that we see that Solomon started off as being a godly man. But and then he he left and he kind of left the faith. And so this draws me to believe that this man, and this is the reason why I say that this Antichrist is going to come from the church. From the church. We're gonna we're gonna see a little bit more about where this um guy comes from and we'll uh, we'll get into it. But one of the last things I want to leave you about the small antichrist, that we see that uh, in this time that these were the Gnostics that, that were uh that they were there in their time, and we have the false teachers that are teaching today. Um, some uh, such people uh, go by the name, and I'll get into what, the, as we get into the end of the study, some of them we know their names, Joseph Smith, right? Joseph Smith, Charles, Taze, Russell. And, and we'll get into, if you don't know who these men are, we'll get into a little bit more who they are and, and the reason why we believe that they are part of this false teaching, or we know that they are part of this false teaching. So here in uh, verse 19, it says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifested that none of them were of us. A couple of things that we see here in this verse is we see that they went out. And, and I, I love this because as I, I was looking up the, the word in the original language, and, and one of the things that really spoke to me as they went out, it, it is the same exact word used um, in John 1330 as they described that Jesus or I'm sorry, that Judas went out and betrayed Jesus. The word went out in the original. It is the exact same word that he used. And I wanted to, to draw your attention to that area for a little while. If you're familiar with this part of this area of scripture, and this comes from um, John in his chapter, it's chapter 13, and it's verses 21 through 30. And one of the things we remember that they're there at the Last Supper. Jesus is with his disciples, and it is before he's going to the cross. And he is there, and, and, then, and they say that his spirit is troubled. His spirit is troubled. And as his spirit is troubled, he says, one of you will betray me. And we learn in the book of Matthew that the disciples, they go around the room and they start to say, is it, is it me? Is it me, Lord? Is it me, Lord? Is it me? Is it I? Is it I? Is it I? They go around the room and they don't know who is going to betray the Lord. And it's interesting because the Bible says that the one whom Jesus loved which we all know is John, 
the one who Jesus loved, he refers to himself. They say that in the Bible it says the one who Jesus loved, that he was leaning on Jesus, that he was gestured, that he was motioned by Simon Peter, that he was motioned by Simon Peter, that he was motioned to ask Jesus what who it was. And so you can imagine, like we remember, like in our marriages that we, when we communicate with our wives that we have communication, we, we kind of look at our wives and we go, we, we don't say anything, but we go, hey, we want to know, we want to know. And so this is what Peter, he motions over to, to John and he wants to know who is the one that is going to betray them. And so we see that John asked, who will betray you, Lord? And he says, the one who I dip and I give a piece of bread to. And immediately he dipped the bread and he gave it to Judas Iscariot and he handed it to him. And Judas takes this bread and the Bible says that at that moment that Satan entered him and it entered him. And as it entered him, that Jesus said to him, whatever you do, do it quickly. And the disciples were there and they heard this. And this is the portion where it gets to. And so Judas goes out and it says he went out at night and he went out the very same word that's used here. But one of the things that I bring you to the reason why I bring this up tonight, and I think that it's important that we draw from this, is that one of the things that even though the disciples saw that he told him to leave because he was the treasurer, none of them suspected Judas. And I ask myself, why is that? that none of the disciples, even though he gave him that piece of bread, and even though that he said, the one who I give a piece of bread, he is the one, when he went out and, the, and Jesus asked him to go, they all in their mind said, oh, Jesus must, I heard him say, go give it to, go do it quickly. I heard him say that. So they all thought, oh, he's the treasurer. He's probably going to go get more for our feast or our meal or whatever we're doing. He's going to do something. But they did not. They doubted that it would be, they never thought that it would be Judas. Why? And the reason why is because religiously, he crossed all his T's and dotted all his I's. He went through all the motions. He went through all the motions, but we see that he was amongst the 12, but his heart was not with the Lord. And, and this is interesting for us that we need to see that we, as we go and we serve the Lord, that our hearts, you know, that I oftentimes tell you guys this, that the, the that they say that there is going to be men and women who come to our church that we sit by every single week and they're going to miss heaven by 18 inches. Because what they heard and what they put in here never got to their heart. They never brought, took it in and received it, received the things of God. And so we need to encourage people to always bring in these things and that they would know uh, the things of God. It's just so powerful that they see that. But it says here that these people that they were, would not, um, that they didn't continue with them. Um, these antichrists that went out because it referred to them at one time they were part of us. We see that they were one times they were part of them. And so we can see that these people at one time, if they weren't part of their Christian, they were part of the church. They were part of the church. And so they were part of the church. And so these false teachers come out of the church. And I think many times us as believers, as followers of Christ, we always think that the enemy's out there. We think that the enemy's out there, but often we see here in the word of God, it says it will come from within that this person will be very charismatic, that it'll come and it'll come through the church and it'll come through people. And, and, and I draw this to your attention because we can see that by some of the names that I mentioned tonight, Joseph Smith, Charles Taze, Russell, these are people that started off in regular churches, regular seeking the things of God, but they, then they decided to change it. And, and when I bring this up about people leaving, I'm not talking about people leaving and going to another church. 
If somebody comes to our church and they decide, hey, I, 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 I moved or, or you know what, I actually I have more fellowship over here with this other Bible-believing church. I'm talking about leaving Christ, that, they're, that they're, they're, their beliefs become that they no longer believe Jesus is who he is. And so this is what we're going to talk about. It's not talking about people that leave the church. It has nothing to do with the church. It has about leaving Jesus. So here in um, verse 20, it says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. Uh, and you know all things. You see this anointing that we have in, in the original, in the uh, King James, it, I love this, it calls it an unction. Um, and in the Greek, it's called uh, charisma or, or chrisma. Um, and, and this is, as we speak about Christ, Jesus Christ, many times, it's interesting, they went around and they did a kid's um, a, a questionnaire at the church and they and they asked the little children, I believe they were 10 year old, and they asked the people, what was, they asked the children, what was Jesus's last name? And everybody wrote Christ was his last name. No, this is his deity. This is who he is. That is not Jesus' last name. It's Jesus Christ. This is who he is. He is the Christ, the Mishak, right? He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one of God. And so we see that this is what it is referring to here. But we have talked about this here many times at the study that when we receive Christ and we accept Christ into our heart, that he gives us, and, and we talk about it all the time, that he gives us this uh, this filter, he gives us this discernment, right, to see things as we go into the world. And he gives us that discernment that we would know the things that are false that come. And, and I love this because as we um, think about this as uh, a filter, um, that we see that the particulates are taken out. And all of a sudden it brings it to our attention, hey, that what this person is saying is not right. You know, I, I teach a, a study on Fridays. And there was a guy that came to our study and he said, hey, I, I want you to hear something I, I heard. And, and, you know, he listens to these, uh, these uh, what is it, podcasts. And he, so he had to go back. And he, anyway, he found it. And he took me to a section of scripture that spoke about Sodom and Gomorrah. And then it spoke about something about Jesus. And he said, this thing sparked him. And I said, you know what that is? That is your baloney meter that it went off because this is false. This is false doctrine. This is somebody that is. And, you know, what was interesting that uh, I just looked at his podcast, but he had like, 17,000 people that are, that are, you know, what do they call this, subscribe to his channel, 17,000 people that he has, and, and you see that he is teaching, and, and I know that the, I'm not, I'm not getting down on this person or anything, but I'm just saying that these things that he spoke about were not, is not, they go against the things of God, actually, some of the things he said, and so I just think it's interesting that each and every one of us, God gives us that discernment, that when we hear somebody speak and they they speak of the false things of God that you would uh, that they would it would come to our hearts and this is the reason why Pastor Ed Pastor Greg uh, us as uh, as uh, as 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 we come out of the packing house we should encourage people as we study the Word of God that many of you as I love the way you guys have your Bibles open because you should not take my word for it you guys should look for it for yourself the things of God that we see because that baloney meter will go off in your heart when you hear something that's not right and the things that don't that go against God and so we need to be um, anticipating those things uh, but one of the things Romans 8:11 says that the spirit as he's speaking about the spirit here this anointing a spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us you see that that spirit that Christ that the same spirit that raised Christ it lives in us and when we surrendered our lives to the Lord that spirit began to work in us and it, and it began to change us from the inside out as we consider um, the spirit and the things that are going on with the spirit uh, one of the things that I, I love to draw from this is um, that we see that as we remember that in Samuel, and this comes from 1 Samuel 16, and I'll, I'll, I'll make it a short one. 
in 1 Samuel 16, we remember that it was Samuel that he was, uh, that Saul, or, or, or yeah, Saul had already stepped out of what he was supposed to do. And so uh, as Samuel the prophet, uh, the Lord told him to anoint a new king. And he said, it'll come through the family of Jesse. And he said, bring uh, Jesse's son before him and I will pick out a, a king. And I will, the, the name who I give you, that will be the new king and anoint him as we speak about anointing. And so we remember the story that as they brought the uh, the sons of of of, uh, of Jesse, they brought him before uh, uh, Samuel. One of the things that I thought was so interesting, the first guy they bring is his name is Eliab, and 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 it didn't take a second for Samuel to place his eyes on him, and he said, "Oh, this uh, is the anointed of God," and and God said, "No, it's not him." He said, "Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart." And so God looked upon the heart. And it's interesting in that story, the short story is he went through all seven of the sons that Jesse had brought. He went through all seven of them. And as he got to the last one, Samuel said, is there another son? And he said, there's one more, but he is a little shepherd boy out in the, in the field. He is very insignificant. And, and he said, go get him. We won't sit down until he, we will bring him. And they went out into the field this little shepherd boy that was out there and they brought him in. And, and as he brought him in, this little ruddy, ruddy boy, they brought him in and the Lord told Samuel, that's him. That's him. And they anointed David to be the king of Israel, who would later on become in line. We all know, right, the son of Jesse, as he comes in line to David, to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ. But that anointing is just so amazing. Um, it refers to here, it says, but you will know all things. Um, and there isn't anybody that truly knows all things. But here he's talking about spiritually that we would know all things, that we would, it would not be a head knowledge, but it would be an understanding of salvation that God, when he comes in and he changes us and he, and we hear um, the things of God, that he would come in and he would change us and we would hear his word and that we would have understanding. And the Holy Spirit we've been given, it guides us in all truth. And that we will have an understanding of salvation. You see, this is the grace of God. And we all remember that John 14, 6 says that I am the way. I am the truth, right? I am the truth. And this is who God is. He is the truth. Um, it's so powerful that we see that. So here in verse 21, it says, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. One of the things that John is addressing here that the Gnostics, they claimed, and their very name, the Gnostics, it, it means knowledge. They claimed to have a special knowledge that, that, that the things that we believe in the Bible, that they said, oh, no, 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 we know more. We have a special way of communicating with Christ. We have a special way to God. And I know many of you uh, have had opportunities that people to knock on your door on Saturday morning and say, we have a special way. But as I as we get through the study tonight, I, I, I'm, I'm, I was encouraged that we will know how to act when somebody comes to our door on Saturday mornings and we speak to them because we're going to see that. But one of the things that he is confronting is the Gnostics who believe that they have this special knowledge of the things of God. But once again, we remember that John 14, 6, that he is the way, not only the truth, that Jesus is the way and he is the only way, right? That no one comes to the Father except through me. Right. This is Jesus speaking. No one comes to the father except through him. There is no, um, you know, maybe there is another way. Maybe maybe if you know some special truth, there isn't any other special truth um, and says that when we accept Christ, the anointed, it says here, um, the Holy Spirit reveals all truth to us. There is no lie of the truth. 
First um, Corinthians two sixteen says, "For who has known the mind of the Lord, that He may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You see that mind of Christ that we can discern the things of God, that we can have that mind of Christ for the things of God. That He, this is the things that He gives us that mind that we would have, and that we would see the things that He has for us. And so here in verse twenty two it says, "Who is a liar?" But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, he is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. We see John uh, thirteen twenty says that he who receives me uh, receives him who sent me. And this is Jesus speaking. You see, we cannot be wrong about Jesus and be right with God. This is one of the things that is so important about Christianity and what we believe that we know that Jesus is God, that he is the Christ, the Messiah. But we cannot be wrong about Jesus. I grew up, and oftentimes that I, I, there were people that, that were I was influenced by that would oftentimes say, they would say, oh, I believe in God, but not in Jesus. And I never knew that, that at that time when I was a kid growing up, I never knew that the scriptures speak about, about, uh, against this. That if we don't know who, if we don't accept Jesus for being the Christ, for being the Messiah, then we don't have God either. We cannot accept God and not accept the Son because we know that all authority has been given to Jesus Christ, right? All authority has been given to him. And so we need to understand that, that we have. And we remember that, 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 uh, that Christ, and one of the things that people get a little confused by, that he, that Jesus is a, that triune God, right? That we have the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that they are three in one. Uh, I love the way that one commentator said that people would come to his church and they said that people would say, hey, if I, if I pray to God, uh, does that get, uh, Jesus, does he get jealous? Or if I ask for something from the Holy Spirit, does that make Jesus, uh, jealous because I'm not praying to him? They're in the, they're one in the same. They're one in the same. They're one in the same. There isn't three different, you know, separate people that they are one in the same. And it's so it's so amazing that we see that this triune uh, God. But one of the things that we remember that the Gnostics, they believed that anything that was physical was evil. They believed that anything was physical. Anything spiritual, um, that these things were, were the, the things um, that they were spiritual things were good things. But one of the things in that, that they believed that Jesus, remember what I said at the beginning of the opening, they believed that Jesus was some kind of phantom, that he didn't actually have a body. Remember, they, they spoke about him and they thought that when he walked on the beach, they said that he didn't leave any footprints. And they said that he wasn't really an actual physical body. But we know this, this, they made these stories up because this is not the truth. We knew that God, Jesus is all 100% man and he was 100% God. He was 100% God and 100% man. But one of the things as we talk about the Holy Spirit, that the spirit um, that came on him at his baptism and the Gnostics said that that was the only time that he had the spiritual, it was actually something that, that was put upon him, that the spirit came upon him as he was being baptized. And right before he went to the cross that spirit left him and so they say that you know so this is what the Gnostics were teaching what they believed, which was a false doctrine but one of the things as I was uh, studying this one of the things this comes from Matthew 3 13 through 17 it says uh, the voice from heaven came and you re- you're familiar with this story and it says and this is my son in whom I am well pleased it was what Jesus was being baptized by John the Baptist and it said this is my son in whom I am well pleased and remember the sky opened up and then remember that they said that they uh, ascended a dove ascended and this was the Holy Spirit. And this, I know many people, and this is where the people that knock on your door on Saturdays, this is where they'll try to fool you. They'll, they'll say to you, well, where is 
Um, where is this uh, Trinity? Where's Trinity in the Bible? It's not, it's not in a word, but we can see that in this John 13, that it is clearly here. We see the Father at his baptism, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're all the triune God. They're all there together. And so it's very important for us to, to see those things and know those things. But this is the thing about Jesus, that we need to be right about Jesus. And so we'll, uh, we'll get here to the very last verse, powerful verse here. It says, um, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. One of the things I think it's so important for us to see, as I mentioned, Joseph Smith, and we know that he is the Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, right? Today, we call, they call them the Mormons, right? They do not believe that Jesus is God. And so they, you know, it's interesting. They don't believe that Jesus is God. And they also believe that, that Jesus is the brother of Lucifer. This is what they believe that he is the brother of Lucifer. And so we need to be careful. And I know that there is many Mormons that say, Oh no, we, we, we worship the same God. We, we, the same Jesus. If he's the brother of Lucifer, he's not our, we, we worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is God. And so we can see by that alone that we know that this is that he is leading, this is a false doctrine, a false doctrine that if they do not believe in the son, who he is, they cannot have God. They cannot have God. And it's so powerful that we see that. But they do not believe in the deity of Christ. Um, a couple of other things that I, I didn't put it in my study, but, but they don't believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. They do not believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. And this is where we need to be very careful because if anybody can come along and say, okay, well, I can believe some things and some things I, no, no, no. It's, it, this is the, the inerrant word of God, this infallible word of God. This is the word of God here before us. And so the, and no man can come and say, oh, we're going to take some parts of it. And we're going to take this part. And we're going to, so some of it's true, some of it's not. No, this is the inerrant word of God. It's so powerful. We see that here. Uh, the next name that I mentioned was Charles Taze. Russell and many of you know him to be the one that founded the Jehovah Witnesses and they are also ones that do not believe in the deity of Christ they do not believe that Jesus Christ is God they don't believe that and so I know many of you in the workplace and, and I had this happen at my study that people have come and they've actually said hey I, I, I meet these people at my work and they say that they're Mormons and they say that they're Jehovah Witnesses and they're very nice and they speak about the Bible and they speak about things I think they're they're same I think they believe but what the question needs to be to ask them is, do they believe that Jesus is God? This is the thing, what they believe about Jesus. You know, it's very easy for them to, to, to tell you a few verses of the scripture. And then they, they tell you a few things about scripture. And then you believe that, hey, maybe they're, they're right on with what they believe. But no, they do not believe in the deity of Christ. The Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe that God is um, God and that Jesus is God. And so uh, one of the things is when these, um, and I spoke about this before, when they come and they knock on the door on Saturday morning, we need to be loving to them. And we need to be, and we need, because there is people out there that are misled, but they don't know that they're misled. They don't know. They just go along with the crowd. And and some of you have actually, I've learned a lot about the things about Mormons and some of the Jehovah Witnesses. I work with a guy that's Jehovah Witness. I've learned a lot of things by the things that oftentimes that it's just that, that they haven't taken the time to, to go outside and investigate for themselves because oftentimes it is, they feel like they're going against the things of God. 
by going, but as you encourage them to go out and look for things. And, and one of the things that, that I, that, you know, that it's kind of hard to see is that some of the, uh, it's the, in the Mormons that they've, when they come, and I don't know if many of you, that they, it becomes like a brotherhood. It, what it reminds me of, and, and not in a, not, I'm not saying this in a disrespect, disrespectful way, anyway, whatsoever, but the Mormons sometimes remind me of, of, uh, of like a gang. Because they come and they, they pour love on you. And the things that are missing out of your life, they come and they help you with those things. And that's how they lead you in. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like they're, they're here and they're surrounded you. And then you, you enjoy their fellowship and their, and their brotherhood. You enjoy that. But they are, do not believe in the Christ that we believe in, the, the Son of God. And so it's so powerful that we see that. But I, I want to leave you a couple of scriptures before we end tonight. Uh, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. it says, All authority has been given to me. This is Jesus in heaven uh, and heaven and on earth. Um, we know John 1, 1. Um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word uh, was, 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 God, was with God, and the Word was God. Um, and also, I love this verse, John 17, 5. It speaks of the, the deity of Christ. And this was Jesus before he went to the cross. He says, and now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you um, before the world was. And so we can see that, that Jesus has always existed. Um, John eight twenty eight. it says, then Jesus said, and this is something that Pastor Ed covered on Sunday. And then Jesus said um, to them, when uh, they lift me up, the son of man, then you will know that I am he. Elohimi, I am who I am, Yahweh, this is Jesus, is God. And, and that, that comes from, was that, as that I am who I am, it came from Exodus 3.14, as Moses said, who should I say sent me? And he said, tell him, I am who I am. The same thing that Jesus declares here, I am who I am. As we close tonight, one of the things um, I wanted to share with you, a, a couple of weeks ago I was there at the house, walking around doing some things at the house, and I heard this little weird noise. And it was coming from my cell phone. And I know many of you have heard the same exact noise. And my cell phone was making this little beepy noise. And I picked it up and I looked at it. And many of us were, were familiar with it. As you look at your cell phone, I could see the, the little bar in there that says how much uh, battery life it has. It was in the red. And I looked at it and it said like it had like 3%. And, and I looked at it and I said, wow, I need to get it over the charger. And so uh, before I even had a chance to take it over to the charger, the battery, it died on me. And so it was just completely dead. And so I plugged it in. But one of the things that, that I was thinking about that, that I was thinking that this cell phone um, is, you know, like I said, though many of our cell phones are very expensive today. But one of the things that is because it was not connected, uh, it stayed away too long from the source um, that it needed to be connected to. We see that it was that it was not in, it was not allowed to be used like it was intended. It was not allowed to use because it went dead. And this is the same thing as I thought about in our lives. For we stay away from the source that we are intended to be plugged into each and every day. We need to come and get spiritually fed each and every morning. And this is the reason why the Bible says that God's mercies are new every morning. We need to be men of God and seek Him every morning. Amen? Amen? Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word tonight, Lord. We thank you for um, giving us clarity um, in the things of, of your word, Father. May you continue um, to show us and reveal yourself more and more to us each and every day, Father. We love you, Lord, and we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen.